0: You're listening to episode number 37 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. This week, we're diving deep into holistic wellness, including non-toxic living, breast implant illness, adaptogenics, and cannabis, plus a general conversation around how to make informed choices about your health and well-being instead of just going with fads or trusting things because they're the norm. I had the pleasure of sitting down to chat with Carissa Pukas, who is a Canadian content creator and entrepreneur, and as you'll find out, she is a total badass with a ton of knowledge and wisdom and experience to share. Carissa has built a YouTube audience of almost 750,000 subscribers, plus hundreds of thousands of more followers on Instagram and Twitter. She's also the co-founder and owner of a vegan and handmade false eyelash company called Socialize. While she initially garnered a following through beauty and fashion videos when I initially found her, Carissa eventually became just as known for her honest takes on young adulthood, mindfulness, wellness, and recently she's received a ton of attention in the media for sharing her struggles with breast implant illness, and we're going to cover it all in this episode. Not gonna lie, you're gonna hear me fangirling a little bit at the beginning of the interview because I have legitimately followed Carissa for like seven years now, but I am thrilled that you guys get to meet her and experience her awesomeness as well. Before we get into the episode, let's do the review of the week. This one is from Big Bill 6397, and she says, Love this podcast. Five stars. I've been a huge fan of Marie's basically since Instagram became a thing. When I saw she started the Grind and Be Grateful podcast, I knew I had to give it a shot. It's a perfect mix of health, wellness, mindset, and more that I wouldn't even think of, and it hits these topics in all different angles. I love taking in information from her, but also the amazing guests she's brought on the show. I've discovered other women in the industry to learn and grow from. Definitely give the show a listen if you want to support your journey in wellness and mindset. Let's be honest, who doesn't? I'm so grateful for this review because it's always really cool and crazy to hear from the women who have been following my journey for years and years because they have truly seen it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, and stuck with me regardless, and that just means the world. My heart is so full knowing that you really see me and can attest to how passionate I am about this show and have it be so multifaceted and diverse. So thank you for speaking that into the world and just letting me know that you love the show. As a thank you for this review and being a long-time supporter, I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt. So if you're listening, Big Bill 6397 please DM me on Instagram, which is at MarieEWold, and tell me your size and address so that I can get that sent out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not Big Bill 6397 you can get a chance to be the review of the week and receive a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. I know you probably always tell yourself, meh, I'll do it next time. But really, it only takes one minute and means the world to my team and I. You guys don't even see it, but this podcast truly takes a village, and every rating and review helps support all of the work that my team puts in. So if you don't want to do it for me, then do it for them, okay? So please head over onto iTunes on your phone or computer, find the ratings in the reviews section, and let us know how we're doing. Myself and my team appreciate it so, so much. Speaking of Instagram, if you follow me there, you also know I'm always wearing glasses in my stories and sometimes just generally out and about doing stuff because I am protective AF about my eyeballs and I also grew up secretly wanting glasses. So now that I have an excuse to wear them, I just wear them all the time. Look, I have 20-20 vision, knock on wood, and I would like to keep it that way. So when I started learning about the effects of blue light, I immediately hopped on the blue light blocking glasses train, and I can confirm this is a fad that lives up to the hype. I don't think it's a fad. I think it's here to stay, and I think that every single person should be investing in a good pair of blue light blocking glasses. I'm obsessed with wearing them, and I definitely notice a difference. When I forget to wear them, I feel the eye strain. Some people call it fry eye, and I just notice now how much the screens affect me but as soon as i pop the glasses on it like feels like a deep breath for my eyeballs if that makes sense kind of weird but if you have blue light glasses you totally know what i mean and rewinding a second blue light is like a super harsh potentially damaging type of light and it mainly comes from the screens that we use every day so between our phones our computers and tvs we're looking at screens and getting exposed to this harsh damaging blue light all Day long, and our eyes are not, you know, adapted to handle that. Our eyes can get damaged from that. So we need to protect or delicate little eyeballs, and once I learned all this stuff, I immediately started doing research, trying different brands, and then a couple of weeks ago, I actually met the owner of another brand of blue light glasses called Classy Network, and Classy Network is a female-led company that makes blue light blocking glasses, and after chatting with the owner, I knew that my search for the perfect blue light glasses was over. Not only are they super cute with a few different styles and colors to choose from, which is important to me, and it's also worth noting that the lenses aren't orange like you see in a lot of glasses and the company is just super aligned with what i believe in which is empowering women to live their happiest and healthiest lives possible plus of course it's a huge bonus to support a small women-led business so if you want to check out my favorite blue blocking glasses the ones that you always see me wearing the ones i am just obsessed with Head on over to Classy Network and grab a pair for yourself. My favorites are the clear ones in the signature Classy style, and you can visit Classy Network by going to the URL bit.ly slash Marie Classy, and that's classy with a K. So it's b i t . l y dot slash Marie K-L-A-S-S-Y, and then enter code Marie to save 10% off your order. I know that you will absolutely love them as much as I do. You'll probably start wearing them all day long regardless of whether you're behind a screen or not like I do because they're just so cute and the perfect accessory for every single outfit and they just you know they make you look like you're you have your life together a little more and you truly do because you're protecting your eyes you're being responsible and you know doing what you got to do so check out classy network use code marie to save 10 percent off and let's get into this episode We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Carissa, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I have to have like a weird kind of fangirl moment really quickly because this is so full circle for me. I have been following you for like a creepily long time, like really? when you were Saturday nights all right on YouTube and uh, you lived in so Australia cool. yeah. and you did all of your like lookbooks and like outfit of the day videos and stuff like that, like OG times before I even like really built a following yet. So I had to let you know, this is like weirdly full circle, but I'm so excited to have you on the show and I'm just super grateful for like the platform that you have and what you are doing for other women. Let's go ahead and jump into it for the people that have not been a follow of yours for like seven years the way I have. <laughs> can you let them know who you are, what you do, and especially like how you started sharing your life on YouTube and what that has brought into your life?
1: For sure. Well, hi, my name is Carissa Foucas. <laughs> I just turned 28 and I've been doing YouTube videos for just over eight years now, which is crazy. Feels like it was just yesterday. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for years. I started off because I was in fashion school and I thought that I'd meet a lot more like-minded people and it wasn't really the same type of vibes or space that I kind of expected. And so I was lonely and I really wanted to meet other people that enjoyed kind of that kind of thing. And so I started making YouTube videos and this was before YouTube was anything what it was today. You couldn't make money back in the day. It was a really obscure, strange thing to do. But I had watched a couple of YouTubers like It's Judy Time or Blair Fowler back in the mm-hmm. day. And yeah, I just thought like, well, that looks fun. And like they seem to, to find their kind of niche of people. And so I decided to start making videos. And yeah, I've just been picking away ever since. Definitely slowed down the past few months after uh, my health stuff had kind of flared up. But uh, yeah, kind of back in action now. But yeah, so I started off on YouTube. I kind of expanded to other social networking platforms after my YouTube kind of took off. And I've just enjoyed kind of being a presence online for the past eight years, just kind of kicking around, doing whatever comes up.
0: Yeah, I think it's so interesting to talk about where YouTube started and how like the OG YouTubers mm-hmm. really started out because I remember people would record videos like on their MacBook camera, yeah. Yeah, you know, or and, right like, on their iPhone. Yeah. And like hardly edit them. You know, quality was like 360p. And it's so funny to look back on old videos for like myself as well, because I had like a beauty and fashion channel in high school that lasted okay. for like six months. But now I have, you know, like a wellness channel. Yeah. And I've had that for like five years, but it's just so crazy to see where it's come from. And you're so right. It used to be like really obscure and weird to have a YouTube channel. and Now it's so mainstream to be like an influencer and have a YouTube and all that stuff. So one thing that I can really relate to you on is like you feel like you've grown up on YouTube in a way, or at least yes. you've said that before mm-hmm. through recording videos through like all different seasons of your life. And you've had seasons that were purely focused on like lighter topics, obviously, when you're in like mm-hmm. fashion school and you shared your outfits and like beauty favorites and, you know, would do like hauls and stuff like that. Yeah, and then, light-heart stuff. yeah like really easy stuff. And then more recently, you've incorporated a lot more like wellness content, including even things like mental health and stuff like that. So do you remember a specific turning point where you decided like, I want to go deeper. I want to have like more meaningful videos and explore different topics.
1: I don't think there was ever a specific moment where I planned on doing that. It just kind of naturally progressed to that. I think just because how YouTube changed, like you said, it, it was really lighthearted in the beginning for, I think most people, you yeah. just were sharing your outfits or your makeup or whatever. And then once you got past that, it just started getting a little bit redundant doing that type of you know, content all the time. And so it just changed more into kind of letting people in, in my daily life and my vlogs. And for myself, I grew up in a very kind of wellness space. My mom is a personal trainer and a yoga instructor. And so I always kind of grew up with that in the background. And I just started to naturally progress to me sharing, I guess, what I had already learned, as well as learning through my subscribers. And that was the coolest part, I think, about starting off on YouTube back then is it was such a community. Mm-hmm. Like the conversations and the topics, it just wasn't as judgmental, I feel. I think that it was more of like a learning opportunity or a space where people just kind of came in and, and learned together rather than, I don't know, finger pointing, which it's kind of slightly turned into. Right. Definitely a different space. And throughout the years, it every few years, it seems to to change and morph and evolve. So I'm just kind of <laughs> going along with that. But as of recently, I've definitely shared a lot more of my health struggle online, just because that was so prevalent in my daily life. But what I share just kind of depends on what I'm going through in my personal life, as well as what I feel comfortable sharing publicly. Right. And I don't know, This felt especially with what I've been going through recently, if you have any listeners listening that are like, what is she talking about? I had breast implants, and they made me very, very chronically sick. And I shared my journey on YouTube, as well as a bunch of other platforms. But it kind of became something that I felt that I had to share because it just was information that I wished that I had. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's that's why I started YouTube. I wanted to connect to people. I wanted to bring, I guess, some type of value or communication between people. And it just seemed like the right thing to do was to talk about my struggles and hopes that it helped other people.
0: Right. And how do you feel like talking more about your personal struggles and just like being more vulnerable and taking stuff beyond the surface level? Like how did your audience react initially? And then is the reaction different like now that the YouTube space has kind of changed? Or how has that been for you?
1: I think that it's been pretty good. I would say I have probably an easier time than a lot of creators because I've been always very out there with (laughs) my opinion or I guess just being myself. I've never really put on some type of veneer to to pretend that I'm something else. And I think that once you kind of steer your content into one specific area, it might be hard to discuss other things like health or your personal life. But it's something that I've always done. And I've always shared on my channel. So it's always been quite well received by my audience. And I don't know, I I think that it's been an easy transition, people have been really great in kind of including themselves in the conversation or carrying that conversation further into their own Little groups. Yeah. But yeah, it's been quite incredible to see the response.
0: Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that because I know YouTube can be kind of one of the most like judgmental or critical platforms, at least in my experience. Like, yeah, I have like a lovely family of subscribers, and like 95, 99% of the comments and stuff that I get are like so positive and nice. But when I get a negative Mm -hmm. comment, it just seems like it hits you so much deeper than anywhere else you get feedback from people, maybe because you're like, just opening up and showing them more of your lives so they have like more fuel for the fire or something, but it just seems like YouTube can like set you up to be criticized a little bit more than other platforms
1: definitely can and I don't know, I think just the video sharing like people think that video sharing is much more intimate mm-hmm. than maybe a photo or something like that, but then they don't realize that that video sharing is still a hundred percent curated right like there's a plan there's it's edited it's I'm choosing to post that, and I think especially being online for so many years I've really Learned to just take it with a grain of salt or like whatever that mm-hmm. saying is. I don't place my value in others' opinions, and it's been easier and easier over the years to kind of separate that. so it's it's really welcome to have the conversation. But at the end of the day, it's not something that's going to weigh on me and worry me because I know who matters in my life and what opinions matter. So the rest is kind of just background noise. Right. So I don't know. it's it, you take the good and the bad with that. like, Definitely a different space, but I think after doing it for so long, you just kind of get in the headspace of it. It really doesn't matter either which way. I'm just here to share, and you're either along for the ride or you're not. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good mindset to have towards it. And on the other side of the coin, like it's also one of the best ways to connect with people because video is more immersive and like you can be more vulnerable. I feel like my connection with my subscribers is a lot deeper than on other places, like for Twitter, for example, like. It's a million times deeper than on Twitter because they know me Mm -hmm. so much better. And actually, I think it's so interesting that your subscribers were some of the first people to kind of bring breast implant illness into your radar, basically. And like they played a really big role in that journey. So can you tell us kind of like a timeline of how everything unfolded for you?
1: Well, like just exclusively to do with breast implants and like that kind of area? Yeah. Okay. Well... I originally had my breast implants done when I was 22. And I obviously, as I said, I've been on YouTube for a long time. So that was something that I did cover in my videos. And I did like an initial vlog series of what does that entail? What is the healing like? What is the procedure like? And so I I did a whole kind of module on that. And then over the years, I just kind of went on with my life, went on with my YouTube. And I didn't kind of put two and two together that I had started getting sick and that that had something to do with my breast implants. So I had just been creating content and talking about kind of being under the weather and having all these symptoms and having problems. And several years later, I had quite a few comments of people saying, Hey, have you ever considered this being breast implant illness? And I'd never heard of that until that point. And so I kind of had a bit of an ego response thinking like, Oh, there's no way mm-hmm. this could be my implants, like shut up, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, you get used to kind of tuning out a lot of the noise on YouTube. And so right. I just thought like that was included in in that noise. And I don't know, something in the back of my head just kept nagging and nagging and nagging. I thought, you know what, I'm going to look into this. And I'm so glad that I did because that ended up being what was my major issue. And so, yeah, it's really incredible to see the type of relationship and and communication that you can have online because if you do take it in a positive way and if you do kind of keep it with a good mindset, you can really learn and grow a lot through it. For sure. So, yeah very interesting experience having that be how I found out about it because I really truly don't think I would have figured out why I was so sick had it not been for people leaving me comments on that video. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's probably why you're so passionate about sharing that side of your story now. And like, totally, luckily, it's been picked up by tons of like news outlets. I know you've been featured on the Today Show and Yahoo and like Daily Mail, and all sorts of different outlets, which is so cool. And so do you feel kind of like a personal responsibility to be like a resource for people now, since you do have such a big platform?
1: To a certain extent. Like I, I think that it's so important to advocate and to share my story. And especially so because of the position that I'm in, but on the flip side, I don't want that to be what my channel and what I am all about. You know, I don't want to just be known as that girl that had breast implant illness. Like, yes, that's a part of my journey, but there's so much more. And I've been doing so much more for so many years that I hope that that doesn't overshadow it. If you know what I mean, I do think that it's so important that I do advocate and and lend my voice to this because like I said, I think that it's so amazing that I had the opportunity to have the platform in the first place and then have people help me out. And I feel like I just kind of have to return the favor. It just makes the most sense to Mm -hmm. me. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would love to chat a little bit more about just your experience and like what you've learned before we move on to more like general wellness stuff, if that's cool with you. For sure. So can you talk about like just what your symptoms are like and why those are related with breast implant illness, just for the people who haven't really heard of it or don't know what it entails?
1: So for symptoms, the thing is, is that breast implant illness is not a medically defined problem. Yeah. And so I guess that's the biggest thing is that when you go into your doctor, and maybe you're having health issues, they're probably not going to tell you that it's your implants, because there's been no definitive study stating that that is 100% because of breast right. implants, they just don't have that information. So I think that's where a lot of people get thrown off because their doctors coming back and telling them like, Oh, you must be depressed, or you must be anxious, or you just must be, you know, fatigued, maybe you have an autoimmune problem and they're not really catching what the problem is. And so if you have breast implants, and you're dealing with any type of autoimmune problem or fatigue, or your body odors off, if you have blurry vision, if you're having any problems with like joint pain, that was a major one for me. These are all things that are obviously not normal. It's your body telling that something is wrong. And so speak up for yourself, because your doctor might not catch it. And so for myself, Yeah, my biggest, I think, were the fatigue and the joint pain and the acne was absolutely horrible. If anybody has seen my old acne photos, it just came out of absolutely nowhere. Mm -hmm. My entire body basically just started to revolt. And like I said, since it's not a medically recognized thing, there isn't anything explaining definitively why your body reacts in that way from the research that I've done I kind of have concluded that just having that foreign object in your body impeding its ability to naturally you know, work with you know your immune system and everything else, I just think that your body ends up having some type of toxic overload yeah. of just it cannot seem to keep up with having that same issue be a problem. And a really good quote that I always kind of go back to is, can't dry off while you're still in the shower. Mm. And so I couldn't seem to get better while I still had that foreign object inside of me causing a problem. And then when I removed that foreign object, I was then able to nourish myself and heal myself to get back to normal function. It'd been such an interesting experience because there really was no answers. And there was not very many medical industry that is really willing to admit that this is even a problem, let alone know how to help you. So right. I was really great the online world for sharing so much collective information, because through that and that community, I was really able to find out what was wrong and what was happening and how to fix it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you always reference the Breast Implant Illness and Healing Facebook group, which I'm a part of as well, just like out of my own curiosity and knowledge, because I'm a wellness coach for women. And at one point, I actually considered getting implants. Like I had a consultation. I decided like how big I would want to go. I'd picked my doctor. And I never set the surgery date because like, it just didn't feel right to me. And Mm -hmm. I also like, I already had an existing autoimmune disease and my doctor wasn't worried about it at all. And that, that's crazy. to me. So he was like, yeah, I mean, I'd probably want you to like ask a rheumatologist just to be safe, but I don't see why there would be any problems. And so I was like, "Mm, he seems like not worried (laughs) enough about this. And it makes sense because I mean, that's where they make their money. Like they're not going to they aren't incentivized to tell you the full risks absolutely involved.
1: And that's what it comes down to. I think that people kind of forget that it's not also just your initial surgery. They're making money off of you every, you know, 10 years when you have the replacement as Mm -hmm. well. So it's something where they don't really want the system to change. And so they just keep looking the other way. And I think also too, a lot of traditional doctors and surgeons have this kind of attitude where if they don't know it then it's not worth right. knowing you know and i think that's such an unhealthy thing in in medicine to have that ego involved because there's so much that we don't know just because we don't definitively have the studies right now doesn't mean that in 10 years time we won't look back at this and go oh my gosh i can't believe we missed right. that like that's the kind of situation that we're in with breast implants and it's crazy that I guess there's not more of a standardized right across the board that we know that this is a problem because now studies are coming out in journals of rheumatology that yes, like your existing autoimmune disorders will 100% be flared when you place a foreign object into your body that causes an autoimmune problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of wild that there's not more knowledge, I guess, in the medical world of this because it's starting and there's little pockets of it, but it's not really widely shared yet. So mm-hmm. hoping that it will be because it's harming a lot of people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's gaining a lot of traction, thankfully. And mm-hmm. I'm really thankful that like social media has allowed ideas to spread so much faster than they ever had before, because this is picking up so much momentum. Like I know a bunch of advocates for BII have like had hearings mm-hmm. with the FDA and things like that and so yes. that is huge progress but like it's just scratching the surface still to something that is like so entrenched in like the medical industry already
1: Absolutely and I think I think at the end of the day too it's not just about breast implants it's about women's health in mm-hmm. general women always seem to get the shit end of the stick when it comes to any type of healthcare, like look at bladder mesh slings or look at IUDs and different types of birth control. There's so much that we don't know and that we're just blatantly ignoring when women are saying we're having a problem. No one's listening right. to us. And I think that that at the very core is what needs to change. People need to be listening to women when they communicate that there's a problem to not just sweep it under the rug and say that it's you know because you're a mom and you're fatigued or again, it's depression or this or that. It's such a blanket statement. So I think it just comes back down to really, truly advocating for women and women's health because a lot of us are struggling and maybe it's not implant related, but everybody seems to suffer and that's not fair anymore. We deserve better.
0: Amen. All of the phrase hands emojis to that, but. Um, Right. So as far as like action steps for women who feel like they're not being heard or they're not being advocated for in their own health journey, like, do you have any tips for either how they can talk to their doctor or what to look for in a new doctor? Like, how can they feel more empowered in their own health?
1: I would say to keep looking and keep pushing for more information. You might not get that from your initial healthcare professional, which is a shame, but it happens. So keep pushing, keep reading online. If you can find any type of community or group on Facebook, like we were saying with the BII Women's Support Group, there's always so much information that the community has collectively compiled that one person probably would never be able to go and find. So find those groups because that's where a lot of really solid information can come from. And also do your homework on different documentaries you could watch or just different places that offer just like, what's it called? Like when you have a conference Mm -hmm. or like naturopathic conferences or health conferences, go to those things, talk to people, follow different naturopaths or hormone specialists or people in those fields on Instagram and their social media. They always share a lot of great free information. There's just so much out there now that the social media world is so available that I think that if you're just relying on one opinion from your doctor, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Right.
0: Yeah, okay. I want to wrap up the BII talk with just one more question. And I'm sure you're asked this all the time. And I do want to preface this with saying not everyone who gets implants will have BII or have like huge negative side effects the way you have. But what is something Mm -hmm. that you would tell other women who
1: are thinking about getting implants? I would say that at any point in time, your body could decide that it's had enough of having a foreign object in it and to be very prepared that you may need to get them out now Mm -hmm. you know and it's one of those things of no one knows if you go to a doctor and they say that like 100 you will never have a problem they're lying because no one has that information like literally no one knows whether or not you will react now or in 20 years Mm -hmm. from now and so that's something that i wish that was more commonly discussed is it's not just like i had my surgery and i'm fine and i feel fine and i'll be fine Everybody gets breast implants because they want to have, you know, nicer boobs or more confidence or whatever your reasoning is. Everyone gets them for a reason, but everybody thinks that they're going to be the person that doesn't have a problem. And that's just not the case. You may or may not have a problem. Hopefully you won't have a problem, but at the end of the day, you should probably have the information to know what to do if you do have a problem, as well as you need to be able to have the monetary opportunity to to remove them if not. So a lot of people think that it's just the one surgery and that's it that's just not how implants work. You'll be consistently getting surgery for the rest of your life if you have Mm -hmm. implants.
0: Yeah. I think it's really easy to get caught up in like the surface level stuff with it. At least that's how it was for me. I was like, oh, it would be so awesome to have like perfect boobs. And I was like really in the fitness industry and they're they're just very normalized Mm -hmm. in the fitness industry. So it's like, it's really not a big deal. Like everyone has them. Yeah. And I kind of got swept into that. And then as soon as I kind of took a step back and was like, okay, do I really want these? Is this really a good idea? Mm -hmm. I learned a lot more about the risk factors. And I was like, I cannot in good conscience, like Mm -hmm. good conscience, be an advocate for like wellness and health and like just women's well-being and also get these knowing like the potential side effects.
1: Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I think that everyone can just take a step back and realize it's not that that's going to give you confidence. It's you genuinely working on your inner self and supporting yourself. That is what will change your view of yourself, not some plastic balls in right. your chest. So I don't know. I understand 100% why somebody would want that because I was there and I felt that too. And I think that everybody at some point has felt you know, unhappy with their body or feeling like I'll be happy if I'm able to make mm-hmm. a change. But the grass isn't always greener. And that's truly what it comes down to. Your grass is greener where you water it. And if you take the time to invest that in yourself and your mental health and your confidence, you'll walk out a hundred times more confident than you ever would had you gotten Right. Boobs.
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Okay, <laughs> I want to move on to like more holistic wellness stuff as well because I know that that's a big sure. part of your lifestyle. And I'm curious, would you mm-hmm. say that like once you started experiencing? your symptoms from BII, would you say that you leaned more into wellness and like took that stuff a lot more seriously? Or has that always been just your lifestyle?
1: I definitely leaned more into it. I think once I got sick, because I was exploring more and more options of what could bring me back to my Mm -hmm. kind of baseline. As I said, I've always kind of grown up with wellness being a part of my life and things that, you know, I may take for granted, like nutrition or moving my body Other people, I guess, didn't learn that. And so those are things that like, I just always grew up that that's what I knew, but things like acupuncture or photobiomodulation with like red light therapy or different types of homeopathic kind of style remedies. Those are things that I didn't really know much about. And I started learning a lot more about once I had gotten sick, because like I said, you're Mm -hmm. trying anything at that point to feel better. And so one thing kind of led to the next, led to the next of, okay, what am I able to do to support myself and my immune system in this current moment? And those are kind of the things that I just started bringing into my routine to try yeah. and feel better.
0: So, can you give us like an overview just of your general approach and like what your non negotiables, I guess, are for your approach to wellness?
1: My non negotiables would absolutely be mm-hmm. nutrition. You have to eat food for the rest of your life, like minimum food every single day. You got to do it. So learn how to nourish yourself every single day, even if it's little bits or even if it's like, oh, maybe I didn't do so good for my breakfast and lunch. Try for dinner. There's always opportunities throughout your day that you could be doing better with your nutrition. So that's something for me that is a non-negotiable. I know that that makes the biggest impact for me in my life Mm -hmm. is that. And then other than that, something that I need to work on with consistency is more movement. I've always been decent with like maybe walking or stretching, but I haven't been very consistent with like fully breaking a sweat and getting like my heart rate up like consistently throughout the week. That's something that I'm really truly working on myself. But that's something that I'd say just movement in general is Mm -hmm. a non-negotiable because your body will seize up. (laughs) You got to move. You just got to do it. So probably those two. And then just self-care in general, I really, I watched your um, Instagram stories the other day. I absolutely loved your little oh, speech on non-negotiables and on self-care because I, I really do believe that all of the things that are non-glamorous are the things that you probably should right. be doing the most, really. And I don't know, nobody really ever wants to talk about, you know, going and getting your pap done or going to the doctor or going to the dentist, but they're all things that bring such importance into your self-care that you, you just mm-hmm. got to do them. So all of those I'd say are my, my classic non-negotiables and everything else is just kind of the cherry on top. And so for me, the cherry on top is things like acupuncture or red light therapy or infrared sauna or just different things like that, where if you're in the position to do it, go for it because it will probably help you. But it's something that Probably isn't the most necessary to be doing if you don't have the means. Yeah, to
0: do I it. always talk about wellness and self care as kind of like a pyramid. And on that like story kind of rant tangent I went on, I was talking about how like foundational self care isn't like face masks and bubble baths and like all the things that you see on Instagram. It's about like taking care of yourself in those foundational, basic ways, like going to the doctor when you're supposed to. Granted, if you mm-hmm. have access to a doctor, that's like a whole nother talk, but. And then mm-hmm. as you like establish all of those things, nourishing your body, moving your body, like, yes, putting on a face mask, like can make you feel like a queen, but that only lasts so long if mm-hmm. you don't have the other things in place.
1: Put into place. Yeah. Absolutely. And so,
0: yeah, I just went on a rant kind of about that. <laughs> and what is your, like, I guess, do you have any rituals that you have in your days that are those more like indulgent self care practices where you just feel like, like, I'm a wellness goddess? I am like taking such good care of myself right <laughs> now, those sorts of things?
1: Totally. Well, I have a bit of a routine for my skincare and inflammation. I kind of link those two together because the things that I do can benefit multiple things. So, first, I will stand in front of my red light. I absolutely love red light therapy. If you don't already know much about it, I really recommend looking more into it. It's clinically proven. For myself, I use it more for my skin health as well as helping with Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory. But after I stand in front of my red light, I will then go and make a little skin drink for myself that is like a collagen, blue magic, spirulina, and like red superfoods drink. And that'll be my kind of like little combination. Like I always do my light and then I have my drink. So that'll be <laughs> that'll be my one little thing that I do. And then throughout the day, I have a rebounder in my living room, which is a little mini trampoline. So if you fun. guys aren't familiar with rebounding. Yeah. And I will have a little bounce on my mini tramp for five or 10 minutes throughout the day. But those are kind of my things that I feel like, oh yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing good today.
0: It's so important to have those things that just make you feel like you're on top of your game like I mean it doesn't have to be fancy or you don't have to have like superfood powders Mm -hmm. it can simply be like writing in a gratitude journal or like doing some facial massage or something like like things that are really either cheap or free it doesn't have to be super intense or like you know new agey or anything like that but I think Mm -hmm. it is just really important to do things that make you feel good
1: Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to is things that give you that sense of peace. If you're doing something every day, like you said, that's like journaling or meditation or going for a walk or listening to a podcast, you can do any of that anytime. And if it brings you joy and happiness and peace for even 15 minutes Mm -hmm. of your day, keep doing it. That is self-care.
0: You have taken like a good chunk of time off, like during all of your health issues mm-hmm. and just recovering from BII, you like it gave yourself a lot of grace and patience in that time. And so did. would you like, how important do you think stress management and like showing yourself grace has been in your recovery process?
1: I think it's the utmost importance that along mm-hmm. with the nutritional side of things, your body is not meant to be right. in a constant state of stress. And I feel that a lot of people get so used to being busy or used to being in that state of stress that they just think like, oh, when it's the weekend, I'll deal with it, or when it's over, I'll deal with it, or all that. You can't live your life that way. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to have some new age type of, you know, treatment plan set in place. Like you could literally do one small thing a day that was for you, but do it for you. And I don't know. I, I think that it's just so important to take time and step back and, and live in your own little world of what is serving me at the end of the day and especially being on social media and being switched on all the time and having so many people's opinions in your face all the time it's so important to take a step back and go okay that's not what's important what's important is me my family mm-hmm. our well-being and i think that that's really allowed me to i guess have that space and and have that healing without having to i guess stress about constantly putting content out i really do love what i do and i think that making YouTube videos and making online content is so much fun and it's great. But at the end of the day, that's not my number one. My number one is my health and my well-being, And sometimes they just won't correlate. Sometimes it's not making sense to push myself and and create the content and put myself out there. When I know that if I took that time and put that into myself, I would benefit way more and be able to give way more. Yeah, for
0: sure. I think, People assume that being like a content creator because it is fun and like it's such a blessing to have that be your career. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it's still a job. It still has its own stressors, even outside of like the opinions of all these people on the internet, like
1: definitely Mm -hmm. still has its own
0: stressors for sure. And I'm so glad that you're able to like take that time for yourself. And one other thing that I think is really cool about your platform is just generally, like you said before, you're not afraid to like talk about things that are a little bit different than the standard. Mm -hmm. You're not afraid to advocate for things that people aren't familiar with. And one of those things that you talk a lot about Mm -hmm. is cannabis. So can you tell us like why you're really passionate about cannabis and why it's something that you're willing to like rock the boat for, you know?
1: Absolutely. I have been an advocate for cannabis for many years. I was a medicinal patient when I was in my early 20s, and cannabis had always just been something that I wanted to learn more about growing up. When I was in high school, I thought that cannabis was just for getting high. And I truly, like I full on broke up (laughs) with a boyfriend in high school, I'll never forget, because he smoked weed. And I was like, oh, I could never be around that. I was curious about why he would want to do that, but I, I just thought that, oh, this is its only purpose. And then as I got older, I started learning more and more about it. I moved to Vancouver, which is like the weed capital of Canada. (laughs) Um, And inevitably, you start to just learn a little bit more about what cannabis is and how it can be used in a wellness type of way. And I was just so curious as to how a plant was able to benefit somebody in, in so many different profound ways. And so for me, it just seemed like a natural progression of if I'm looking more into wellness, then I'm looking Mm -hmm. more into different plant medicines and cannabis was inevitably one of those things. And yeah, I absolutely (laughs) love it. I'm looking at my plant right now. I'm growing, I'm growing a a little apartment plant, a uh, hybrid sativa dominant strain. I'm really excited to harvest that in the next few months, but yeah, I enjoy cannabis medicinally and recreationally. I think that it's really hard for people that don't know much about it to understand that a plant can have benefits medicinally as well as recreationally because like I said most people if they don't know about it they just assume like oh that person is just getting stoned like why is that desirable (laughs) that's just you know I can understand why they'd have that feeling but if you don't know much about it you don't know why there would be a ton of benefits to having that be a part of your routine so for myself I love having CBD or I love having a tincture that is a non-psychoactive product or a topical product that's helping with inflammation or even recreationally, something that is not really bothering my body and is a toxin right. like something like alcohol, it's nice to have the opportunity to choose to put something a little bit yeah. cleaner into your body. I mean, I
0: feel like it kind of goes along the same lines as breast implants in a way where like they have been so accepted for a long time, even though they are potentially terrible for you, similar to to the way like alcohol has been just accepted Mm -hmm. and not questioned and like absolutely it's regulated to an extent but like once you reach a certain age you have like free access and are expected to regulate it yourself
1: totally When societally it's so normal like you laugh when you see somebody on snapchat that's like oh she's so hungover or like you see somebody making a face as they're tossing back a tequila shot They're making a face because it's like they're literally pouring (laughs) gasoline down their throat. Like there's a reason. Your body doesn't want that inside of it. It's a toxin and it's going to affect you slowly. But that's the problem. I think when something isn't like an acute effect, like the chronic thing, people don't see the chronic effect of something over time. So they just assume like, oh, it's fine. It's no problem. Right. And that's one of those things
0: where it's like so ingrained culturally to where people don't really question it Mm -hmm. and don't really take a step back. And so I feel like this conversation kind of comes back to the fact that you like have to do your own research you have to think for yourself because Uh groupthink and just like going with what everyone else chooses can be super dangerous just for I mean your health and like a ton of other Uh reasons
1: absolutely yeah I I think that it's so funny I always have a chat with my boyfriend about this about how like certain drugs are just so normalized like you wouldn't even blink twice when somebody would come up and be like oh don't talk to me before I have my coffee in the morning So, like, you're literally saying that you need a stimulus drug before Mm -hmm. you interact with any other human beings. Like, that's what you're saying, and that's normal. And yet, if you said, oh, I want to take, you know, my cannabis tincture this morning, like, people would be like, you want to get high? Like, no, I'm taking it for anxiety for a purpose. And that's not okay, but, you know, claiming that you have to have something before you yeah. can talk to somebody is okay. I don't know. It's such it an really odd is. And it really And I, truly like,
0: is. I personally don't really drink caffeine. And so when I tell people that, they look at me like I have three heads. Like, what? Mm-hmm. How can you live without it? And right. Because like, that's how. Yeah. How do you get everything done in the day? I always say like like, if you feel like you need something to feel alive, then you should probably like take a closer look at your use of that thing. And it would be the same thing with like cannabis, obviously. But overall, I think we just need to be more Mm -hmm. like critical of what we deem as like okay versus not.
1: Absolutely. And like you said, do your own research into it. Because if you're relying on the research of the masses, you're really going Mm -hmm. to be doing yourself a disservice and not understanding the value of different tools and different things. I think that that comes into all different sorts of plant medicine. Like the past year or so have been really into mushrooms, not necessarily just magic mushrooms. I mean, more like medicinal mushrooms, but things like chaga or reishi or lion's mane or things like that. There are such great tools in your well-being and health routine. And yet when you tell people, they're like, oh, I would never take mushrooms. I'd never try mushrooms. Mushrooms are scary. (laughs) And it's like, well, actually, we've been using them for literally thousands of years for a reason. We are more than Mm -hmm. like 80% fungi. When you look at us on a DNA level, we're so similar. Like that's why we get things like athlete's foot because it's a fungus because we are partially fungus. like."
0: Probably in the past year or so, I've gotten really into, like, adaptogens, including mushrooms, too. Like, I love lion's mane Mm -hmm. for focus. People are like, what do you do if you need a boost? I'm like, I have, like, lion's mane or I use, like, essential oils or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like, you don't need caffeine. Like, there are so many other alternatives to what people assume are, like, their only choice. Absolutely.
1: That's exactly it. And it's just because it hasn't been widely discussed. And that's what it comes back down to is if you're not doing research, then you're missing out on a lot of potential things that could be very helpful in your life. You just have to be Mm -hmm. the one to go out and look for them.
0: Okay, I have like another random question, but it's going to segue into something. (laughs) And I want you to tell us about your tattoos because that's something that I've always loved about you is like your tattoos are, they kind of seem random, but they also all go together really beautifully. And they really are a good representation of who you are. So, can you give us like a quick list of what you have and kind of like just your attitude around tattoos? Because I think that it's a little different. Like, I mean, for example, I have seen one of your tattoo videos because again, like fangirl moment, but Mm. you just said like, they don't necessarily have to all have like a deep meaning. Like they can just kind of be a bookmark in like a chapter of your life. So I'd love for you to talk more about like what they mean Mm -hmm. to you and how you kind of decide what you put on your body.
1: Totally. Well, I got my first tattoo when I was 18 And it was a text tattoo. And my first maybe Mm -hmm. four tattoos were all text. And so I thought I was never going to get like a picture tattooed on me or like an actual image of something. I thought it was (laughs) just like, I'm turning myself into a book, text only. And then the text usually came from either a song that was really important or uh, I have May the Force Be With You tattooed on my shoulder because I'm a massive Star Wars fan and I always have been. And I love the thought of the force and being connected. And I don't know, that's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Star Wars and me, my favorite thing. But yeah, my tattoos kind of started off as just, I guess, chapters in my life. And it just made sense of, even if it's something that, I don't know, may not be the most popular thing forever. It's something that means a lot to me. And so my first tattoo was a condensed angels and airwaves quote from one of their songs. And it says, watch your words spread hope like fire, hear your voices sing back louder. And it's kind of cool because it's over the years kind of morphed Mm -hmm. and changed with me, which sounds strange. But I mean, in the sense of like, I got that when, like I said, I was 18 years old. And it meant to me at that time, watch your words spread hope like fire kind of alluded to when I was in high school and I got bullied, how much it meant when somebody else would stand mm. up and say, hey, like, don't do that, or they step in for you, or they'd, they'd be that person that would stand up. And mm. I always thought, watch your words spread hope like fire was, you know, using your power yeah. to give others hope. And throughout the years, that's changed and morphed through what I've done with YouTube of my words are spreading hope. And I find that so interesting, it's like yeah. a self-fulfilling <laughs> little yeah. like affirmation on my body that I never really thought that that's what it would change and become in my future, but it, it still is prevalent, because morally, I believe in that. And so yeah, those were kind of my first tattoos. And then when I started getting my half-sleeve done, I've gotten my half-sleeve done by the same artist in Salmon Arm. His name is Cam. He works at Pins. He's awesome. If anybody's out in the Okanagan area listening to this. But uh, I started off with a sunflower on my forearm. And it just kind of grew from there. Uh, I have a collection of a sunflower. I have a cat skull in amongst some peonies and some sacred geometry. I have a couple more Star Wars tattoos. I have a TIE fighter. I have, (laughs) I'm just like turning my arm to see what I have on here. Uh, I have a crystal, a quartz crystal with some rosemary. And then I have the word ish, I-S-H. That was probably one of my funniest tattoos. That was the first tattoo that I didn't plan and I just walked in and did it. I never thought that I would be that person in a million years. And then once you get one, it's kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But my ish tattoo was while I was on a trip with Yves Saint Laurent Beauty. And I was so excited and grateful to be traveling with that brand. I've worked with them the past few years. And it was just such an honor to to be doing something with such a prestigious brand. And they had a, a tattoo kind of thing set up saying if you wanted to get a tattoo, You can get a tattoo. And so I thought, you know what? Fine, I'll do it. And so ish, (laughs) it kind of came from an inside joke at a festival that my friends and I go to, and we can Mm. never figure out what time set times are at. So we'd always say, like, oh, I don't know, like two-ish, three-ish, like that kind of ish. And it worked really well (laughs) for me because I'm almost always late. I have no concept of time. It's something that I've worked on my whole life. There's just no concept of time. So ish made sense. But yeah, so that was my, uh, my ish tattoo on my wrist on the outside. And then on the inside, I have my latest tattoo, which says this way, and it has a little arrow pointing forwards. And I got that after my explant surgery. And I love it. It's also another kind of festival related tattoo. I saw it on a sign at a festival. I thought it was so funny that it didn't matter which way the sign was pointing. It just said this way, kind of like the Alice in Wonderland, like this way forward. And it always got me thinking it, it doesn't always matter if you have your mm. destination, you just have to start going. And that's what it meant to me is that it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. one foot in front of the other, you'll figure it out. And so, yeah, all of my tattoos do have some kind of story or meaning to them, but they're definitely more of kind of a season of my life that I'll look back on and go, okay, I remember when I got that and this was the type of headspace I was in, or this is what mm-hmm. I meant to me. And I grow with that. I think that that's the fun part about tattoos is they don't. Have that to you'll have love some, like, forever for the rest meaning. of your life. Like it's fun if they do. Yeah, totally. They're a part of me, and it's something that I'm proud of, and I look down on, and I'm like, yeah, I remember being that person, mm-hmm. and I've grown since being that person.
0: I really like that mindset, but I'm also there. I'm curious, like, if you're at all worried about like your body rejecting tattooing the way it rejected your implants or no.
1: It's very interesting. I've read a lot more about that in the recent couple Mm -hmm. of years. My sleeve tattoo ink is all a locally made product. And that was one of the reasons why I was so happy and grateful to get my work done at Pins is the people that own that actually produce that product and they can trace everything back to the original source. So I'm, I'm totally happy with that. The only tattoos that weren't were the ones I have one on my arm and then one on my back. The first one that I got that were done in Vancouver that I don't know the source of the ink. And then the one on the YSL trip, which is a tiny little one, I don't think that I've had problems. But again, you also may not know for years if if that ends up being a problem. I'm really hoping that it won't be, but it's also something that's kind of, I guess, similar to maybe getting filler or Botox. It's something that, yes, I 100% believe that that could affect someone. It makes total sense that a foreign something put in your body could potentially cause someone an issue with myself. I haven't seen an acute problem and I'm hoping that I won't have a chronic problem. And for what it's worth, I feel the value of having my tattoos is worth Mm -hmm. it for me. So I don't know. It just, you're never going to do everything right Right. in your life. And I think that if you go around being worried about every single thing that you're doing, you're not going to be living life. You can do your best to avoid things and have, you know, do your due diligence and have as much information as possible on something. But at the end of the day, you're probably going to either go ahead with something if it makes you happy, or avoid something. Right. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that these things will be okay. But on the flip side, I do recognize that, like, absolutely, it could cause problems. I hope that yeah. it doesn't, but yeah, we'll see,
0: yeah. I just wanted to ask that, and I love that you actually, obviously, have done research on it. I'm not surprised at all, just given like everything we've mm-hmm. already talked about. But it's so cool that your the shop that you go to makes their own ink because when I've looked mm-hmm. into getting tattoos, which I actually was looking to get a sunflower on my forearm, which is like hilarious. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But I was just trying to figure out like no studio ever really listed like where they got their ink from or anything like totally. that. And so I've found it hard to like figure out where is a good place to go or like how to minimize the risk. Because like you said, if someone decides they really want to do something, they're going to do it regardless of the risks. But it's kind of your job mm-hmm. to just figure out how you can minimize them or like do things in the most kind of responsible way I guess
1: totally that's exactly it and I don't know like I said it's so funny because like sometimes people will go like oh like you know you're saying breast implants are bad or this or that yet you still have mm-hmm. tattoos or yet you have still had your lips done or whatever I mean my only kind of rebuttal to that is again, you're never going to live your life perfectly. Even the person that thinks that they're living their life really well, maybe they're still spraying perfume on their neck every Mm -hmm. single day. And that fragrance is getting into their thyroid and causing them problems. Or I don't know, maybe they have a retainer that they're wearing every single day. And that potentially is leaking some type of plastic, something into their body. Like we just don't know the effects of everything that we're using or doing or you can do your absolute best. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, are you doing your best to minimize risk as well as are you living your life when you're happy? Like you have to be happy too. You can't just be frustrated and concerned about every single thing that you're doing because that's just not a way to live. Yeah. Like it's just not, it's not a fun way to live life either. So, I mean, don't feel like you have to restrict every single thing in your life that you're doing, but do try to do your due diligence. Don't get your information from just one source like talk to people, learn as much as you can and then make your decision. And if if that's the case, then you've done your best and you can only be mm-hmm. happy about it.
0: Okay, cool. I want to wrap up with one last question and it kind of brings everything together in terms of you're not afraid to talk about things that are sometimes controversial or the unpopular opinion mm-hmm. and you're always just kind of an inspiration for people who are looking for like empowerment to be themselves and like doing whatever what makes them happy. So do you have any advice mm-hmm. for someone listening who might not feel as confident being truly themselves? Like how can they cultivate more confidence to just show up as their unique weird selves? Maybe they love Star Wars or maybe they love cannabis or whatever is their thing. Like how can they cultivate more confidence to just
1: live that out? I think that you just have to come to the realization that whatever you do, there will always be somebody that thinks that that is not the right thing to do. You can truly try it to people please. But you're just going to be chasing your tail at the end of the day. There will be no person that does everything right, like I said before, and so if you're living your life worried about what others are thinking or about how others are perceiving you, you miss out on such a beautiful space of what do you mm-hmm. think about you like and and I think that that at the end of the day is so important to reflect upon of are you happy? Is what you're doing making your life you know a pleasant place for you to be like is something that you really should be putting as a priority of yes, of course you have responsibility to other people in your life, but at the end of the day, you have responsibility to yourself to live in a way that you feel free and true. And I don't know, I think that the more that you really think about that topic and allow yourself to go, okay, well, I deserve that. People do deserve to live their best lives. And if that, you know, maybe is something that's a little bit weird or obscure, this or that, as long as it's not harming another person why wouldn't you pursue that? Like, if it makes you happy, go do it. Don't think about it, do it, because you only have Mm -hmm. one life. And I don't know, I, I just think life is just so, so freakishly short in so many ways. I just couldn't imagine living my life feeling like I have to comply to certain standards or rules or other people's expectations, because at the end of the day, they're not the ones that are having to live with the outcome, right? You are. So do something that makes you happy and, and honor that because you're worth yeah. that.
0: Amen to all of the above. I think that couldn't have been said better. And I just have one last question because this is the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We always ask our guests, what is one thing that you're currently grinding toward and just working really hard for? And what is one thing that you are currently hugely grateful for?
1: Something that I'm grinding towards. I'm going to do something mental health slash mental yeah. wise rather than sure. a physical thing. Something that I am grinding towards is I am really trying on a daily manner to not react to things and to step back, think about it, and then mm-hmm. have my reaction. I feel like a lot of the time when I was growing up, I would almost get defensive in a reaction. And the more that I think about it and the more that I kind of see it in a third party, I'm, I'm going, well, that has absolutely no benefit to conversation. That has no benefit to who I am or what I'm trying to achieve. So I'm really trying to, in situations where I'm uncomfortable or situations where, I don't know, it's just, I feel off. I'm trying to not immediately yeah. react. I'm trying to have more of a thoughtful process of conversation and trying to get somewhere because the end goal is to have the connection and the communication. The end goal isn't to win. And that's something that I guess I'm hoping to work towards is is more of that in, in every aspect of my life, be it in my personal relationships, be it. When I respond to comments online, sometimes I'll just be like, (laughs) fuck, (laughs) just to have like an immediate reaction, you know? And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to post that. I'll delete it. Hold on. How can I rewrite this? And yeah, and re-say that. And I think that everybody, I mean, can probably do better in a lot of those aspects in their life. It it comes back down to what is your goal? My goal is to communicate effectively and to move forward. And that's what I have to keep at the very base of all of my Mm -hmm. interactions. So that's what I'm grinding towards. And then what was the other one? What I'm grateful for? I am, oh my gosh, (laughs) how long do you have? Um, I would say in this current moment, I am very grateful for my health. It's something that I think everyone inevitably will just take for granted at some point. They don't really think about it. It becomes kind of on the back burner if you have it. And then all of a sudden you lose it and you realize, oh my gosh, I could never you know, I can never be in that space again. Health is the most important yeah. thing. So I'd say definitely my health and my puppy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love my puppy so much. I know everyone says their dog is the best dog in the world, but like, I mean, have you met Lola? She She's cute. great. My dog is awesome. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for my I also, dog well.
0: I remember you did one video of like, lola's outfits and that was just really great
1: <laughs> i did oh that was my favorite i was like well what content do i post i was yeah. doing daily videos for uh for the vlogmas videos oh can you hear that that's the that's a midday mm-hmm. horn in vancouver <laughs> <laughs> it's in the background of all my videos half the time whenever you shoot at noon vancouver has like, oh, the yeah. ship's horns that go off every single day Especially at noon. noon you caught that special for moment honored. yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it
0: Yeah, it's been great. And I'm sure everyone who has not been following you for like seven years, like I have, (laughs) they now want to start following
1: you and getting all your content. So where can they find you? You can find me anywhere online. My name is Carissa Pukas, like Lucas, but with a P. And uh, yeah, I, I have platforms on pretty much every major social media. So you can find me, come chat. I love posting things. I love interacting with people. And yeah, I think it's so much fun.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so so much for being here and sharing your story and your wisdom and just everything that you believe in. I think that you're doing such amazing things and I'm really excited to see what is next for you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye guys. Bye. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. Whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story, it is all super appreciated. And please leave the show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. This show is for you, so your feedback matters. Plus, it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.